Hi, and welcome to This Week I Learned, your audio guide to the most surprising discoveries and fascinating studies of the week. I'm your host, Lauren Hansen, an editor at theweek.com. This week I learned that not all sharks are the fearless scavengers we assume them to be. Let us all say the pledge. I now am a shark, not a mindless eating machine. If I am to change this image, I must first change myself. Fish are friends, not food. According to a new study, sharks have distinct personalities, and boldness is in fact just one trait. Testing shark personalities is kind of a cool thing. Researchers use Port Jackson sharks, which are a type of Australian bullheaded shark that averages about three feet long. Researchers were looking to test the shark's boldness when exposed to unfamiliar environments and also stress. In one test, each shark was placed in a small enclosure within a tank. Researchers then timed how long it took the shark to poke a head or a fin out of the box. And then they also tested how long it took the sharks to swim completely into the open. In the second test, each shark was held out of the water for about a minute, which simulated the way a fisherman might catch a shark. And then once the sharks were put back into the water, researchers recorded how many times per minute the shark beat its tail, which is a sign of anxiety. In both tests, the results spanned a wide spectrum, from downright shy to jaws-level bold. And what's really interesting is that the results were consistent over repeated trials, which means the behaviors are ingrained rather than just by chance. Another interesting finding was that there was no personality difference noted between the sexes. And this is curious because in just about every animal that has ever been looked at, males tend to be bolder than females. But researchers did not see this difference among the Port Jackson sharks, though they do note that could be due to the small sample size. So next time you swim out into the open of the ocean, you can have a little peace of mind and know that not all sharks are as bold as Jaws. This week I learned that yoga is not only good for keeping your body limber, it can also keep your aging mind agile as well. Science has previously connected high-intensity exercise like running to a lower risk of developing dementia, but a new study wanted to look at more mild and meditative activities like yoga to see if they could fortify people's brains. So they got some volunteers, and those volunteers were divided into two groups. One group attended a weekly, hour-long class and performed daily mental exercises designed to bolster the memory. The other group attended a once a week hour long yoga class and then meditated daily. Both regimes took the same amount of time, both daily and weekly, and were practiced for 12 weeks altogether. At the end of it all, brain scans in both groups revealed more communication between parts of the brain that involves memory and language. So both the brain boosting class and yoga were good for the brain. But the yoga group had a distinct edge. The yoga brains also had more communication between parts of the brain that controlled attention, suggesting a greater ability to focus and to multitask. Scientists theorized that the meditative quality of yoga helped reduce stress and anxiety, while movement increased levels of various biochemicals in the muscles and brains that are associated with improved brain health. While more research is needed, the study is pretty strong evidence that yoga and meditation can strengthen thinking skills and help stave off aging-related mental decline. 
This week I learned that grunting in tennis actually helps athletes perform better. That is Monica Seles during the 1991 U.S. Open, grunting her way to her third Grand Slam title of the year and cementing her position at the top of the world ranking. People say that Monica Seles was one of the first women to start grunting through tennis. Her grunting male counterpart was Jimmy Connors, an American tennis star from the 1970s. But since I grew up in the 90s watching Monica Seles play, grunting just always seemed a big part of the sport. But as a practice, it's also pretty controversial. Many athletes and experts have been calling for the excess shrieks and yelps to be banned or at least punished. Critics say that a grunt can cover the sound of the ball hitting the racket, which can throw off the opponent's timing. Today, grunting is more universal than in Monica Seles' time, with many of tennis's greats grunting their way through intense matches, including Venus and Serena Williams, Maria Sharapova, Victoria Azarenka, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. And according to science, grunting actually does serve an athletic purpose. A study found that grunting increases a ball's velocity by 4% without compromising a player's oxygen consumption, heart rate, or energy expenditure. The way that works is that a strong grunt can stabilize the core, allowing extra force to travel through the arms. Which means grunting really isn't going anywhere. How, how do you like this? Would you like to listen to this, huh? Yeah. I don't mind it. Ugh. All right, that's the game. And set. This week I learned that the stars in the sky make music. Or rather, they make acoustic oscillations that give off unique tones. For a new study, NASA scientists honed in on four stars in the Milky Way's M4 star cluster, which is one of the oldest known clusters of stars in the galaxy. Some of these stars could be up to 13 billion years old. You see, stars make acoustic oscillations, which are caused by sound being trapped inside the star. The oscillations create minuscule changes or pulses in the star's brightness. The scientists measured the acoustic oscillations of these living fossils and then recreated their sounds for our listening pleasure. The star's unique music helps to determine their mass and age, which wasn't previously possible for such ancient stars. Scientists hope to use the sound inside stars to perform a kind of galactic archaeology to learn more about the creation and evolution of our galaxies. And that does it for this week's episode of This Week I Learned. For more, go to theweek.com slash audio. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast or give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thank you so much for listening.